welcome back to Lost in Postulation. It's another week. It's another podcast. I'm Nicola Volpi, and I am joined by a man who tucked in his ankle socks into his hiking boots and worked his way up to the summit of Mount Everest for the sake of world peace. Welcome back, Neil Fitzpatrick. Delighted to be back once again. And as I sit here, you've sent me down the rabbit hole of just what socks do they wear when they summit? I mean, I, we know it's not ankle socks. That's a good question. But like, question. how thick are we talking? Is it two layers? Is it like, you know, these are the questions. I really don't know. That's a good question. So there are like hiking socks, which are kind of a go between, go between, mm. between what you would use, you know, for running and what you would use for skiing. And how much do they vary? I'm, geez, I'm uncovering a, a massive yeah. gap in my knowledge, but are these different from like normal socks, really? Uh, they, they are different, like in terms mm. of more of the thickness and the technicality, but that's probably something that's come in the last 10 years. Mm. So when this... they went up Everest in the 80s, they probably didn't have these exactly. and they still made it up, right? See, this, I was going to say, this feels like an area that's ripe for exploitation where you can like make normal socks and say, these are hiking socks and you can charge like 200 euro for them and people will pay. Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. I think so. New business and the, idea. the Everest limited edition, you could probably, Absolutely. you know, double it up. But but yeah, I think there's probably other things while you're going up Everest that will give you will make more of a difference. We'll bring yeah. about more marginal gains. Higher the ROI on the yeah. on the other things. That's fair. That's fair. Fantastic. Did not mean yeah. to take us so far off piece. Yeah, this instantly. is a socks podcast. Socks cast. Here we go. <laughs> Change the name. Uh right. We're back. We are back. It's episode time. Yes, yes, it is, and uh, and it doesn't stop. We churn them out every week until we don't. Yeah, a few people are shocked by that actually. Like yeah. I've been when I've been talking to people about it, and they say, "Oh, you do a podcast, cool." That part they buy, and then they're like, "How often do you do it?" And I'm like, "Every week." And that's the part where like every week, Jesus Christ! Like <laughs> I don't see the big issue. Like it's good. Like yeah, it, I mean, this works for us, yeah. right? One hour a week, a lot of content. I mean, how difficult well, can it be? Then again, when you when you think of it, twelve hours of content now with this episode included out there into the ether. That's six movies. That's half a day. You can, you can like, somebody who didn't know the podcast could get up on a Saturday and just spend the whole day. That's, well. uh, and we don't recommend it, but I mean, <laughs> we you do, do you. But geez, okay. Yeah. But yeah. here we are. Well, we'll see if they get sick of us or uh, if they keep coming back. The numbers, uh, the numbers are looking good. But numbers so, are looking good. We're so. happy about that, and uh, and we're we're happy to be involving uh, the community more and more in the podcast as we will today as well. Absolutely, this yeah. episode in particular is a great one for for getting listeners involved, as you'll uh, as you'll see, listener. So, yeah. Yes, yes. And so, what do you got for me? today on episode 12 neil to kick well, us off as you know and as the listener may know by now we do like an old mundane postulation to kick us off we are mundane yeah indeed and in fact not sometimes we go just for a topic like what's your take on this what's your take on that but what we've enjoyed a lot actually and what what has garnered a lot of response from the listeners are the x versus y uh debates where you say still versus sparkling you know or pants before socks or socks before pants these are the ones that get the listener riled up to an unreal to an unusual degree we are a polarized society after all in Indeed, we're just banking in on that, cashing in the polarization of our time. <laughs> but what I wanted to ask you, sir, today is one of the big ones. And I'm talking, of course, mm -hmm. about air travel. And when it comes to air travel, which is, is a field rife with postulation in, in its own right, but I'm going to ask you today about the aisle versus the window. Where well, do you want to be? I'm actually flying tomorrow. Uh -huh. And I went out of my way, both for that flight and the return flight, to book the ILC. 
finally one we agree on because there usually, we go Look usually at that. like with the sandwiches and everything we've always disagreed right yeah. for some reason yeah. sometimes I feel like we're just being contrary for the sake of it but actually on this one I'm with you so I'm, a, yeah. I'm an aisle man all the way yes. I think the window the window has its it has its place and I've, I've definitely had some good window flights mm. but it, anyway give me your give me your principled uh, view on this one yeah so there's two angles to tackle this from right mm. the first one is why the aisle right mm. and why the aisle for me it's all about freedom of movement yeah. so first thing first don't feel as claustrophobic right you know you can you can turn around a bit more certainly mm-hmm. more than in the middle seat but also you know the aisle uh, the the window you can be quite quite locked in there right Absolutely. so but then freedom of movement also i'm the type of person who even on just a 2 hour flight will no matter what need to use the facilities at yeah, some point fair, right fair and i don't want to be having to negotiate with my fellow passengers and or family members to to get out there mm. or worse be caught in the act while they're sleeping of climbing over them exactly. which is just the awkward on so many levels and you i've been there yeah it's not fun nobody deserves that I feel. no yeah. no exactly neither the 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 perpetrator nor the perpetrated mm. right mm. uh in that case so that's on the aisle front on the window front i think it's incredibly overrated because a big part is you talk about the view, right? Mm. Uh, now, the view is very limited on most flights. It's mm-hmm. the takeoff. It's the landing. Mm-hmm. If you're traveling in winter or with bad weather, it's often not even those, right? So um, the other aspect they bring about on the window is, oh, yeah, but, you know, you can lean your head and, and sleep. But, like, I mean. So overrated. I so think. overrated. I mean, yeah. invest in a neck pillow, people. Come really. on. It's 2023. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> 100%. I'm actually with you uh, for different reasons, though. Okay. Only different reasons. So, yeah. first and foremost, as a taller gentleman, I um, hate, like, flying is uncomfortable by definition, right? Yeah. My knees are going to be crushed up against the seat in front of me, particularly on a Ryanair, on the older configurations of Ryanairs where they had these big, chunky seats. You're really, your knees are, are getting damaged every time. So, one slight respite from that is having the aisle because you can just stick the two legs out into the aisle and, okay, I can get a bit of space that way because there is no way to stick my legs out, like, directly mm. in front of me. Mm. So, that's, that's nice. That comes with a downside though which is when they bring the trolley past it's always a smack on the on the legs or on the shoulder or something like i, yeah. I feel the trolley and me don't don't get on too well and you can't really like sleep if you're having you need to be alert to yeah. be able to bring your legs back in all the exactly time, right? and yeah. you're also the guy who has to get up when person right. b and c are getting uh to the bathroom right yeah. so i feel like it's uh it, it's not without its downsides but that's flying to a certain extent yeah and the thing with the window seat is like you i, I sorry i do agree with you on that point that i am just that terminally awkward that i would rather just hold it than ask a sleeping person i certainly wouldn't climb over geez i'm not risking that uh that mind takes a lot of agility exactly like that's, and, uh, okay i'm gonna ask it when you climb over are you crotch first or ass first to the, uh, to the um person? let me think there is no good answer here there is no good answer i'm definitely mm-hmm. crotch first so yeah. i see what i'm dealing with it feels more respectful uh, yeah. it is more respectful but it's also a bit less risk in a way yeah where you can you use know, your hands to catch yourself if, to catch yeah. yourself exactly and that's oh, exactly it you yeah. might you know inadvertently make contact if you're the other way around exactly. simply because you don't see exactly what's behind you right you, so suddenly yeah. you've got an ass in someone's yeah. face like yeah yeah my god but that's definitely the strategy i think i if, think so. if you have to do it if you have to and i mean i'm talking if it's like less than three hours flight i'm like doesn't matter you I'll, just hold I'll it survive in? yeah like i will survive i'll be fine you know 
how bad can it be? Unless it's like an emergency of some kind. Let's not get into that on the podcast. I feel like <laughs> let's, uh, let's not discuss the technicalities of a, <laughs> of a bathroom break. But uh, once again, interested to hear, I know many people would say window all the way. Like uh, yeah. it's like their happy place. They can just cuddle up and, and go sleep there and whatever. Yeah. But isn't it funny how middle seat is just universally agreed to be horrible? Like middle seat. What yeah. a terrible. It gets a really bad rep. Now, Maria, she loves the, the window. Okay, not the yeah. middle. I thought you were best no. in the middle. I was like, jeez. <laughs> she loves the window. So yeah. oftentimes I do find myself on a 3-3 configuration mm. to not just be weird and have a rando sitting in between us. Mm. Uh, I find myself in the middle seat. Mm. It's not so bad, I think. Like, If I you mean, have a companion to your left, yeah. then you're good or right. Like, right. Because you can invade their space without feeling bad. But imagine having two randos either side. You know, that's yeah, yeah. the, that's the And it depends case. on the length of the flight. And then, like you said, it is important who you're next to. Because mm-hmm. what I find oftentimes when you fly is that people decide that it was a good idea to leave their brain at home. Mm-hmm. And their manners. Yeah. And the classic one on that is when they get up or they're sitting down without even noticing it, they're pulling the seat back that's mm. in front of them and you're, you're and it's, swinging it's back. so but it's yeah. like why would you do that it's like my biggest pet peeve on yeah. on, on flights is people just not being aware of their surroundings that. and annoying the hell out of you i'm Absolutely. getting agitated i can see that but what i love about this as well is i'm like that like you when say a vibration hits my chair a knee hits my back of my chair i instantly jump to what is this asshole doing? Like, yeah. as in, you think I, they're out to get you? Literally, like just bullying you, like yeah. it's play, playground bullying. When in actual fact, it's probably a purely innocent, oblivious, uh, completely. And mm. I think it, I often uh, try to to practice the phrase like never attribute to malice what can be attributed to stupidity. And mm. in general, I'm with you. It's stupidity rather than malice at, at core here. I have also had a few kids behind me who are just like bam, 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 like just yes. banging away, yes. flying. Who needs it? Jeez, I'm like, uh, maybe it's one for a future episode. But trains, trains versus planes. I'm like trains all the way. You know, what's your uh, what what's your time threshold from which you would then shift from uh, from a train to a plane? How You'd much be, are you willing to put up with a train? I'm willing to like put up. I would double my journey time and still be happier with a train. Because, for example, I've taken a train to Stockholm where it's overnight. You sleep on the train and it was right. the dream. It like was seven amazing. hours. Huh? Yeah. But it, like that, that train takes five hours normally. But then if you right. take the overnight, they, t- they make it slower. So you get on a Copenhagen at like 10 and you wake up at six or seven in, uh, in Stockholm. With a bed or? With- yeah, yeah, full bed, like full shower, okay. toilet, everything. Oh, like wow. It's the dream. Like you save a night of accommodation that you don't have to pay there in Stockholm. Mm. You wake up ready to go and uh, just save yourself the hassle of getting on a plane and dealing with all that. I, uh, okay, and well. more to come on night trains, by the way. I really think Let's. there's an episode on that because uh, we uh, are going to see in the next 10, 20 years that Europe is finally stepping into the future and installing fast, like high-speed rail Bigger across rail. Europe. Across Europe. That's the key, right? Because yeah. we have it regionally and exactly. in some countries. Per but, country. Yeah. France has nailed it. But like, yeah. uh, there will be a night and train Italy. route. Let's give them some uh, credit. True, some, true, from true, time true. to time, from we can give them some We credit. have to dish it out in small, right. small doses. Exactly. Or else they'll get way too early. Way too yeah. But uh, geez, we've gone on probably long enough on our Monday mundane postulation now that i think of it but we have some big topics to get into we do definitely but i'll I'll throw this out to you please lost in postulation live recording (laughs) 
From a night train. Yes. How about that? Annoying all the fellow passengers in the cabin. They would love it. They will love it. I think that, like, we've gotten great praise for the audio quality. So, I mean, we can can afford a hit or two. (laughs) With a chugga, chugga, chugga in the background. I think it'll be like ASMR. Like, people will enjoy it. It'll be like helping you to fall asleep kind of content. It's it's a bit of folklore, right? Exactly. Part of the lore now. Yes, yes. Postulation verse. uh, If you would like to be part of the lore yourself, listeners, uh, Neil, what can they do? I believe they can tweet at us at impostulation on twitter there you go always w- welcome to uh, to reach out and they can also hit up our email address which is lostinpostulation at gmail.com always happy to hear from you and of course if you have any other means of reaching us please do we've received many sorts of uh communiques one way or another voice messages are always welcome as well as you'll hear today so please do reach out absolutely so listeners on that note we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back with an action-packed episode And welcome back once again, listeners. Welcome back to uh, something I'm going to enjoy a little bit too much, which is a sweet validation for a prediction I made mm. a couple of episodes ago. Uh, from there, we're going to get into a very interesting topic, of course, which is, as you will have seen now from the episode title, a discussion around Chris Rock. What has he been up to and what has he produced for us? Uh, Nicola is going to bring us a bit to that. But first, uh, let's listen back, if we may, to a little clip from episode four, way back before this year even started. What was it that I said about Chris Rock? Putting that to one side, Chris. Chris Rock has been weirdly quiet on this. And I think he knows exactly what he's doing. Mm. He even even referenced that recently. He was doing a stand-up show, I think, in September of this year. Mm. And somebody from he took he takes questions from the audience, so he got he got a question about the slap, as I'm sure he does every every time he does this, and he said something to the effect of, "Guys, you paid for these tickets, but you didn't pay that much. I'm not getting into it here. I'm going to talk to Netflix about that or something like that." He said mm-hmm. it as a joke, but a lot of truth is said in jest, and I actually think he's going to have a documentary at some point, which is like, Chris got slapped. You know, everybody slaps okay. Chris. Something something along those lines. Produced by him. At least in part, like he's going to have a big deal with Netflix where they will buy exclusive rights to his take on it, basically. Uh And uh, he'll talk through it and how deeply it affected him. And maybe they get Will on or, you know, whatever. Well, well, well. How about that? (laughs) I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with that, I have to say. I'm Um, happy with it. Yeah. I I think it's, uh, you could argue a stop clock is right twice a day and maybe it's a fluke. But um, I also can't take all the credit here because he did kind of say it himself. Like he, he made the joke about selling his story to Netflix. I do wonder if at that time he had already been in talks with Netflix. Like this was back in September or something that he said yeah. it. Probably he had... The incident happened a year ago now, exactly. right? So yeah, that's yeah. kind of the timing of it. It's Oscars time again now, yeah. Right. So um, it seems like it's very much blown over. And I think Chris must have known that and you know realized now's the time, Oscar season, right? You know, So mm. maybe this has been uh, in the tank for a while. But um, no better way to, to transition us into this topic than that quick look back to, uh, to episode four. Yeah. And uh, the fact that we did indeed call it. So what we'd like to do a little bit here now is to get back into this topic. We've had it a, a, a long time ago. So it's time to revisit a little bit, particularly in light of Chris's new stand-up special. Yes. So yes. Nicola, you, sir, have watched the special. I did indeed. I didn't watch it live. I watched it the next morning. Uh, Which is uh, eager, eager, like seriously eager from your part, because it only came out a few days ago. You were like wasting no time. 7.30 in the morning, Chris Rock. 
yeah. with your breakfast. Prime comedy time. I, I highly recommend. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah. uh, in, on that point of, of highly recommending, do you highly recommend it? And please do uh, give the listener your own uh, your own thoughts. I do. Um, I think, and contextually, I recommend it even more, right? Given, mm. given the journey, let's say, uh, of the last year. Um, first thing for me, uh, Chris Rock, avid listener of the podcast, hopefully. Mm. Speaking to the man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I'm a big fan. I've always been. I think you are uh, one of the best uh, stand-up comedians of your generation. You know, coming through that mid-90s SNL mm-hmm. generation mm-hmm. with the Sandlers, the Spades, the Farleys, etc. Uh, and uh, now I'm going to stop talking to him because it gets a bit weird, right? I'm going to talk about him. Um, he's managed, regardless of having made what I assume is significantly more money through his films, he has actually kept to his craft and also kept doing what he loves. Uh, and of those guys is one of the few that still, basically 30 years later, is popping up on stages and going on tours and doing his stand-up, mm. even though it's one of the most difficult things to do, potentially least rewarding also from a financial perspective, etc. Mm. So mm. just, I really appreciate that. Now, in terms of the whole incident with, with Will uh, and how that went down last year, and we followed up a lot on it, I think the way Chris Rock has handled it now, whether, you know, we won't do any moral judgments on uh, the the quality of the joke, whether he was in the right and the wrong. But beyond that, after the incident, I think the way he's handled himself has been incredibly mm-hmm. a class act, if you will. Yeah. Super mature uh, gentleman to an extent, kept quiet, didn't kind of extend this beef or, or call out any things. Uh, and then he he gets this this Netflix deal. Um, and I love how he handled that because what did he not do? He didn't do the Oprah tearjerker mm-hmm. interview. And I love Oprah, but there's a time and a place, right? Mm-hmm. He also didn't do the get a camera crew to follow me around in my personal life. You know, six hour Netflix special like some of our royal friends yeah. have done. Mm-hmm. What did he do instead? He stayed true to his craft and he said, look, I'm going to do what I do best and I'm going to do stand-up special and actually trial something totally new out for netflix which is another very interesting component here well is it new for netflix i wonder like what's new about it for netflix so the new part isn't like having uh, a stand-up special but mm. to actually stream it live so this oh. was live television oh, okay. for netflix i didn't know, uh, that. I didn't know yeah that. Okay. which is interesting because on the one hand the cynic in me says hey netflix is clutching at straws mm. you know they're they're going for live on the other hand like when the numbers come through of that, mm. um, I I think it's it could be something worth worth for them exploring, not just mm. obviously in the niche of stand up comedy, but with with other things as well. Yeah, this industry I only recently learned the name of it. Actually, it's like simulcasting, you know. Yeah. Where it's like you don't get to go to the event, but you get to watch it at the same time as it happens, right? right? And I think when I heard about that concept, I would have been very bullish about it actually and it said something like wow this is the future of entertainment you know and isn't it going to be great when we can all go to watch the simulcast of stuff but this was like a few years ago when this started i think right maybe just pre-covid and i have to say it hasn't really taken off as a concept like i i i do remember seeing cinemas selling tickets to watch the you know berlin philharmonic from Copenhagen, you know, like yeah. this that kind was of stuff. really big for a while. Yeah, you'd exactly. go in and see like but theater. Did, or, yeah. But did you ever go to it? No, like, I never did. Yeah, me neither. And I think that's the problem. Like, it's just not such a good sell. And like, you didn't watch Chris Rock live just now either, right? Like, you, no, whatever it was about the proposition, it just didn't 
pull you in. You're no, like, that's okay. a fair point. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering, like, it, it's great that they're trying something and maybe it's the future. But if I had to put money on it now as to like, will this particular thing, this concept take off as a new way of consuming performance? I'm like, nah. Maybe no. not. Yeah. Probably only for like kind of that blockbuster event with all that baggage as mm. this one was, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to Chris, mm. you know, he sells out this venue in, in Baltimore, by the way. Awesome that he did it in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, big fans on Lost in Postulation Huge, yeah. of, uh, of the city of Baltimore. Uh, he sells this out and he uh, he comes onto the stage, he picks up his microphone uh, and, and, and he gets into it. Yeah. Uh, and essentially those first 20 minutes, uh, he made me laugh quite a bit that's the point folks um i genuinely enjoyed it the middle part was more kind of a transportation where i thought it lacked a bit in originality of the jokes but mm. i mean you're there he's there for an hour talking non-stop playing off of the audience so yeah. that's you know bound to happen i think and then only in those last 10 minutes and i think technically it's just those last seven minutes mm-hmm. he gets into the incident and there's like this this steady crescendo and i think just the, the way he did it was was quite uh quite uh quite funny i think he struck the right balance uh he also wasn't petty he didn't seem you know out for revenge whatever and without any spoilers then he he ends with this final one-liner which results in a mic drop standing ovation and then and then you have uh, watch the throne by by kanye and jay you know in the in the in the background and he's just taking in all the applause and i it was just it was refreshing to to see somebody and and definitely not his best performance yeah. I mean, don't get yeah, me yeah. wrong because yeah. i mean uh definitely not and there's probably something in there about stand-up comedy like you know how difficult it is and, mm. and contextual whatever uh but it was just great to see refreshing like i said a master of his craft mm just just owning a stage like that and uh and and answering even to kind of this beef with comedy the way yeah. he does it without making it a one-hour roast on will smith yeah because that would have been too easy actually and that's what i res- why i respect chris rock and how how he approached this i think that i buy that argument right so i love that you've correctly pointed out that he had many ways to go about this mm. and this was probably the best of, of many and i don't know how much a role he personally would have had in choosing that versus mm. say doing a six episode uh, macro series <laughs> through netflix which i don't think anyone anyone would have loved but um i have a, a further postulation on this though mm. and maybe it's a bit it's not so much against against chris and i haven't seen it so i'm not going to get into into that specifically but you made uh, you mentioned the words there of like uh, not making it too easy right that uh, it didn't take the easy route of just roasting will for for an hour right right but Tell me what you think of this, right? I I postulate, I I put to you, sir, that there are actually two types of stand-up comedy. There's stand-up comedy where you know who you're going to see and pay big money to see them. Mm -hmm. And the stand-up where you don't know who you're going to see and you are like, I'm just going to hopefully laugh. Like, let's see, it's an open mic. Let's see what happens, right? right? And I would put to you that those two things are drastically different Mm. media slash events slash experiences, right? And... Uh, I've been to enough big name comedy gigs. Uh, I've seen Ricky Gervais. Uh, we've saw we saw John Stewart. We Dave saw Chappelle, we, we saw, saw Chappelle. Right, yeah. uh, paid big money for that, or at least like somewhere in the region of eighty to ninety euro kind of thing for like those concert money. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So there's two things that I think changed the 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 dynamic there. 
Number one is just sunk cost fallacy that you've paid big money to get here. So you're, you're going to make sure yourself that you're going to laugh your ass off. Like you're, you're going to be quite sympathetic, I think, to everything mm-hmm. that's said. Mm-hmm. It's unusual, I think, that you would pay 90 or 100 euro to go to a comedy gig and just sit there stone faced being like, don't like this, don't like this yeah. at all. Second of all, it's the celebrities who, who you're just happy to see no matter what. Right. And that celebrity can therefore come out on stage and say basically anything like, uh, I really think Chris is one. Chris Rock is one of those people that could come out and just be like, "So I had cornflakes for breakfast today," and that crowd would go, "Wow, cornflakes!" Like yeah. just because that. Also, his cadence and how he says yeah. things is oh, yeah, yeah, you know. and true. He is naturally right? gifted and funny, like for sure. But I also think that room full of people are probably the most sympathetic audience in the world, and mm-hmm. his job, therefore, of making them laugh is like actually not super hard for him. I would say, okay, sure. Not, not taking away anything from him as a comedian, who's he's one of the greatest, as you say, of all yeah. time. But I think he falls now into that same category that Ricky Gervais does when he does these stadium tours, which is like, people are just happy to see him and he can literally say whatever and people will be like, ah. Like know. with aging musicians is often the case, yeah. right? Sympathetic like, audiences yeah. basically is what I mean. And it's so far removed from where they came from, where Chris Rock himself probably came from, which is those early days where no one knows who you are and it's make them laugh or you're off, like you're off, right. you're, you're done, you know? Right. So I think but my only reflection is what I'm, what I'm sick of, right, is when I watch a special, as they're called now, you know, these one hour specials, it seems like more of it is being taken up by applause than laughter, right? Where mm. the comedian will say something just like, yeah, that's why I don't like the da-da-da. And right. the, the crowd goes, ha-ha-ha, clap, 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 clap. And then as we're here sitting at home just like, okay, can yeah, was, I agree, but let's go on, you know? Yeah. They become these kind of applause fests or like worship fests mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a celebration rather than, you know. Exactly. It's not stand-up. really comedy. Mm. Or, so... I think my my hesitancy to watch it is, is coming from there, actually. So, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to hand back over to you now no, to, no. to give you something to react to there. I think that's a very fair point, uh, especially when you you talk about that, you know, in the audience. And I think you mm. and I, we had that. So, we went to, it must be now, more than four years ago, right? We yeah. went to see Chappelle and Stewart. Mm. Um, and we had that where the first hour was Stewart, uh, if you remember, mm. uh, to me, it, it, it was almost a bit lazy comedy uh, yeah. at the time. You know, Trump was present and Sheep he shots. basically did an hour at Trump, yeah, right? And there was some funny stuff there. Uh, but there we kind of, it was more like that applause rather than laughter thing yeah. from, from the audience, right? Mm. Chappelle comes on, absolutely kills it. And I think some of the hardest I've laughed in my life, right? Yeah, so sure, sure, sure. it can go both ways. Now, on this Chris Rock one, yes, the crowd in Baltimore, that's one thing. But I had no vested interest to be laughing mm. in my kitchen while I'm having breakfast. Yeah. Right? From home. And that's how I measured it. And like I said, I genuinely laughed those first 15, 20 minutes mm. and those last 10. And that part in between was yeah. more what you're talking exactly, about, I think. Exactly. Where probably I'm not being harsh enough on that part in between either because mm. it's Chris Rock. Exactly. You're like, well, the legend is here. You know, like yeah. you're, you're just happy that he's producing content yeah. whatsoever. You know? I think it's fair. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good shout. It's Thank a good you. shout. I'm proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're nailing a few today, huh? Yeah, a few postulations. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. But I think it's um what it what it really got me thinking about, because I hadn't watched, you know, stand up in a while, but it's also like and like I said, like how hard this thing is to do. Um, and I know actually you've had some some experience in the field, <laughs> yeah. so maybe you can tell us firsthand. Well, th- uh, yeah, I think it's good to get into it because uh, what I was hoping to use this section for is basically a massive encouragement to anybody with even the slightest inclination to ever doing it. 
just freaking find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Don't care what age you are, what what part of what life stage you're in. Please find a way to get to an open mic, write five minutes of material, and do it. Because honestly, probably one of the best things I ever did in mm-hmm. in my in terms of like life experiences. Right. Uh, I won't get into the whole story of it, but basically, I ended up doing it almost unplanned. I was with some friends who were doing a comedy show in Edinburgh, and the support act dropped out, and they needed us anyone to open the show. And I was like, I guess I could try it. And you this know? is how long before uh, having to hit the stage? Uh, about three hours, four hours. Oh, wow. So the adrenaline is is dumping at this point, you know. And uh, we together, it wasn't me writing it, me and that group of guys, we just kind of threw together a few jokes, five minutes of stuff. And five minutes is like three minutes because you have to have time for laughing and transitions and whatever. So, okay, yeah. But anyway, getting on the stage, uh, all, when it actually came down to it, it was like the scariest, the most adrenaline pumping thing ever. But it went ridiculously well. I don't know why uh, to this day. <laughs> but the what happened then was for the following like four hours, I would say for the entire rest of the night, I was on the highest of highs. You can you literally right. like nothing beats it. And like I've, I've tried it. I've tried many other things. You know, I've had things go well. Yeah, you know, say in a work context, or I've had you know uh, concerts that go well, and then it, like nothing comes close to this. You have you come off the stage feeling like I'm lit. There's nothing that I can't do. It's like phenomenal. And since then, before you do it, you always feel I could never do it. No way. Like, no, no way. What if it goes wrong? What if it goes wrong? And having done it once, your perspective shifts a bit, at least for me, where it's like, who cares? Like, yeah, it goes wrong. Whatever. Like, right. I survive. I'm fine. And that same realization gets carried over to every part of your life then after, at least for me. Maybe oh, I'm well. like, I sound like some kind of a self-help guru here, but like, all I'm saying is... Uh, you the, are a self-help guru. I guess I'm becoming one slowly but surely. <laughs> but uh, my point, I guess, is like getting to a point of jumping into something that can go massively wrong. And even if it does go massively wrong, which I've also had in subsequent gigs, it, it, it did go wrong. But uh, what you realize is nothing matters. Like, it, it does not hurt at all like you an hour later are back to normal and therefore every other time you go to pre- present in work or you go to like do something big out in the world in whatever context like say when i was at your wedding i was doing like a kind of a an mce kind of role right right no nerves i was just like it's gonna be fine like i'll yeah. it'll be like you, you play just, the audience too right like, yeah 100 yeah. and like you learn that i guess through more time than i've spent doing stand-up but like i guess the the key thing i wanted to land is just like i'm sure there's someone listening who has always at the back of their mind thought they could see themselves doing it, but oh God, it would be so scary. And oh God, I don't know if it would go well. But all I'm saying is there is so much bad stand up out there right now. All you're going to, the worst case scenario, you'll just be adding one more to the pile. And best case scenario, you'll be coming away with a phenomenal experience that may even like transform you a little bit. Okay. So you you made the point there just before now that this was something difficult to do. And I fully agree. It's very, right. very difficult, but also massively rewarding. Yeah, it's a high risk, high reward, right? I mean, but is it high risk? Like, what's the risk? Like, no, I mean, if you're you're probably in a room full of people you don't know, right? So it's just your your ego bruised for a few hours if you get I don't see any booed off or however it works, right? You'll never get booed off. What you'll you'll get is silence, right? Silence, which is worse. Yeah, in that context, but even dealing with that will be invaluable to you because mm. imagine you say a joke and it ends on and uh, that's why the phone was on the table and you're right. waiting for the big explosion of laughter and it just never comes right so how do you deal with that moment like right. you, you now have to reach into yourself and find a way to get through this and you'll develop that skill then by by doing it once or twice or how many times and that same skill will stand to you in many many other times when you're left without words when you're left without any idea of what to do next you'll draw upon whatever experience you've had 
in that painful wow. <laughs> moment, right? That's so, resilience and agility, yeah, right? Like that's 100%. what it comes down to. I, I really think so. Because wow. if, if you go through life without taking these horrible, painful moments, like you won't grow, you won't get better. So like, God, I didn't expect to get so philosoph- philosophical, but like, I really think if if there's anyone out there who, who wants to try, please do. I think you won't regret it. I think that's a, that's a great shout. And I don't think, like for me, for example, it's mm. never an idea that's, you know, popped in my head. Like and I and I think there might also be a generational aspect. I don't mm, know, mm. but where going to the comedy club isn't what it used to be. I think it's dead, basically, as a, as a thing, because the internet has has proven to be just way better. You just go on YouTube and yeah. uh, and find whatever you want there, or yeah. and is it's that better. It? Like I can mm. I can go. I know pretty much that if I want to laugh, I can be laughing in the next thirty seconds for free. You know, mm, I don't need yeah. to go pay 50 euro to go to a, a comedy club and drag myself into town for a maybe hit or miss experience, by the way. Like, and remember, right. as I said, like the level of comedy, especially in non-English speaking countries is very patchy. Like you may have a good time. You may have an absolutely terrible time and you will be sitting there wondering, why didn't I just go to YouTube and it watch? It could end up being a really shitty night, right? Oh, 100%. Like, it's a complete yeah. dice roll. Like, mm. And that does make it all the sweeter when it's good. Like when you, when you stumble across some new talent and you're like, whoa, this was amazing. But for every one of those, there's about 20 people who have self-selected to make their life uh, about being a comic and unfortunately aren't going to make it, you know? But yeah. that's just part of the deal and yeah. we move on. But uh, yeah. yeah. In, in this theme, actually, as we love to throw out uh, recommendations, hmm. did you ever see uh, Scorsese's King of Comedy with I De Niro? I didn't, and I really need to because we saw Joker. I think we, we saw Joker yeah. together and Very inspired apparently heavily that. inspired, right? yeah. but no, I didn't see it. Yeah, and that was actually at the time that movie was just re- destroyed by critics and uh, Scorsese really? had basically done that and uh, something along the lines of the, the Jesus movie, Passion, uh, mm. along these lines. Okay. Uh, and that's when he then fell into this huge depression and was on coke and everything. And then Raging Bull kind of brought him back. But yeah. basically, that movie revisited now. Yeah. Everyone loves it. Absolutely. And it's, it's I mean, it's a vintage De Niro performance. But basically, he plays this this stand-up comic who, who starts stalking um, uh, a guy played by Jerry Lewis, mm. who's who's a comedian in, uh, in the movie. And a lot of what you're talking about you 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 see a lot of that yeah. uh, in in the film, and I yeah. think it's uh, it's masterfully done. So I just wanted to throw that out there uh, as a, as a timeless uh, you know piece on uh, exactly. on the stand up scene. I'll check yeah. it out. I'll check yeah, it out. Absolutely. So you can't see yourself ever uh, taking the plunge into into the world of stand up. I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. After what you've told me, you've planted mm. the seed. That's I think for so. sure. Because remember, it doesn't necessitate being funny to get a laugh on stage. Right, that's the thing. What right? it necessitates is joke structure, right? Timing. That's Dar- always well, the joke, timing is right? huge. Yeah, yeah. But then Dara O'Brien, a very famous Irish comedian, put it perfectly. He comes from a science background before he was, uh, or debating in science background before he became a comic. And he, what his realization was is that the thing that makes uh, a joke funny for a stand-up is that the keyword, the punch word, is the last word in the sentence. So uh, the, the word that makes the thing a joke has to be last. And you can just do that. Like you can you can sit down with a funny idea and then reword the sentence so that the punch word comes last 
and there you go there you have a joke now right and you can say that to an audience and they will laugh because the structure is is set up to generate a laugh if the punch word comes in the middle of the sentence they won't laugh because they're still listening for the rest of the sentence so it's like little realizations like that that you can just hack basically like you can science your way through uh, writing a stand-up uh, right. set you know and all you need is five minutes right they call it a, a tight five so uh, any night any sorry comedy club you know with an open mic you tell them i have five minutes they'll be like yeah off you go right what's the worst that can happen yeah so yeah go for it but but that's crazy that you say five minutes mm. and i'm sitting there or those that crowd is sitting there in baltimore watching chris rock do that for one an hour, hour yes. 60 minutes and an hour is a very different beast right like right. these comedians even obviously chris rock is an absolute legend of the game and i'm sure it's no problem for him but most comedians i think when they put an hour together it's like writing a novel it's like a proper big 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 piece of work and i imagine he has a writer's room as well like right he's a product of it like he's a he is a a company kind of at this point right he he would have a staff like but um when you start out as a comedian you do you're still working towards that one hour right and like being a novelist you know it's you on your own like you you have to find it and for every five minutes of material there's probably 30 that didn't make the cut right so mm-hmm. you really have to be like prolific even if you're writing like crazy to get to that level and of course i'm not saying everyone needs to go do that i'm just saying try a five minute set you know wow. because an hour is is a whole other thing look at that you yeah. all of a sudden a pitch man for the comedy industry yeah but just don't expect to make money from it because it's right <laughs> that's only going minor one detail. way yeah right? forget about it yeah yeah but uh you'll enjoy it you won't you won't mind about the money thing all right yeah all right <laughs> if you say so well listeners there you have it our uh comedy guru uh what little i know but uh passing on what i can do we have a, a, a closing take then on uh on chris and his uh, and his work on Chris in general or on uh, well, on, su- on this recent uh I suppose special. to summarize on the special, you're kind of like, you like it, you think people should watch it, you're happy with it. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody... Now, if you like Chris Rock, right? Because that's the caveat. Mm. If you don't like that type of a bit raunchy comedy, yeah. stay away, right? Well, it's because yeah. it's always Chris Rock, right? Yeah, you know yeah. what you're going to get. But if, if you're into that, I don't think anybody's going to go into it and say... Give me that hour back, right? Okay. Cool. Um, well, listeners, let us know, and then you can come at me if that's not true. But I think uh, I think definitely worth it, and you know, within the within the context, I think uh, I think great. Now, uh, if there's some great all-time Chris Rock performances that you can also find, mm. you know, on on YouTube and stuff, and that's yeah. just. Uh, him at his best those i would would definitely recommend so i suppose what you're saying is if you're if you want to go watch some good chris rock just go do that instead yeah if, if you I want think to that's hear, what i'm getting at yeah. exactly and if you want to hear about the slap you have to yeah. watch the last 10 minutes of this one yeah and the rest you can take relief also because the issue with this one having been on netflix is you've probably already in the last couple of days in whatever newspaper you read mm. have read probably the key punchlines such a shame which yeah. is a shame right yeah. and that's kind of the the thing like why a lot of the time when you go to watch these big comedy shows they actually give you a bag yeah. into which to lock your phone big right? fan big fan yeah. of those yeah I, I like i think that should be everywhere every event everything. absolutely yeah. but also like 
just extending that, I think also at concerts, yeah. because you nowadays like, and you hear a lot of artists talking about it, yeah. that they're just staring out into, you know, yeah, 10,000 people with yeah. screens yeah, and exactly. it's just like, and flashlights. And it's like, people are actually watching yeah. you perform live, but through their phone. But and, I, I was at a concert where it was, I saw Tool in Dublin uh, about a year ago uh -huh. and it was extremely strict. They didn't take your phone off you, but they were like, you'll get one warning. And if we see you with your phone again, you are out of this gig. Okay. And they did not hesitate. Like there was people behind us, in front of us right. who, what happened was there was all these guys whose bouncers whose only job was to look into the crowd and then if they wow. saw a phone up they would shine the torch directly into the phone lens because you can't miss that yeah. if you're if you're filming you're like whoop okay and then uh, they didn't take the warning and then the guys just in front of us did it again and then they're like you're out guys you, yeah. you were warned like that's it yeah. and then the great thing was at the end of the gig they played the last song the encore Maynard James Keenan comes out the, the lead singer uh -huh. and he says okay now you can start filming on your stupid phones and then uh, everyone's phone comes out for the last right away. Yeah, yeah. but at least that's a good compromise where he was like you know he knows that everyone wants he to go this is 21st century. yeah and right. everyone wants to get a shot to show they were there and something to remember i get it and he picked a song that he's very confident in so it's all fine but i think uh that was spot on it was like enjoy the gig don't film it and then yeah maybe at the end get a little clip yeah listeners you're there for a live performance enjoy it exactly. at face value and we'll come back after the break Welcome back, listeners. Uh, we've got a special segment lined up for you now where uh, we've actually been inundated by listener postulations after we did our uh, Everest uh, extravaganza last week. It is. I know it sounds it sounds like you're exaggerating, but really, like this one did. Uh, this one did break the the previous record for listener postulations. Absolutely, yeah. the proverbial ice. So uh, for those of you that are new, for those of you that don't know, uh, probably you haven't gotten this far in this podcast, but for all three of you, mm. um, let's sum up uh, what we did last week. Essentially, uh, Neil uh, was given a mission by the United Nations uh, for World Peace to fulfill this mission. He needed to draft a team uh, of celebrities from pre-prepared lists to go and summit Mount Everest. Now, uh, the team he chose, in no particular order, was 22-time Grand Slam tennis champion Serena Williams in charge of the oxygen intake. Then, in charge of food rationing, from Finland, the Prime Minister Sanna Marin. Navigating us to the summit of Everest, Keanu Reeves. Running the entertainment part of the show, Inc. And then the captain and financier of the whole journey, Richard Branson. We also have Lionel Messi as an alternate, joining the troop up to the base camp and waiting for the rest of them there. Let's not forget Sherpa Camirita, the world record summiter of Everest, uh, is uh, hand in hand with Neil going up this. Amazing. What a team, eh? Still happy with it? I think so. I, no, nothing I would change there because I think if, if you go back and listen, like each of the ones I picked were kind of the best of a 
mixed bunch, let's say. And I know some listeners disagreed with me, but I do think, broadly speaking, it's a pretty strong, uh, strong team we got there. I agree. I agree. I think it was great. So uh, then, basically, from from the first uh, few hours that uh, that we sent out this podcast last week, we started getting listener postulations, and we uh, we've selected three uh, three in particular, or, or two and a half here to uh, mm. to share with you guys. So uh, let's get started. Let's do it. All right. First one here, Roy from Chicago. Uh, <laughs> a warning: Roy didn't really follow the. He followed some of the rules. Uh, but then he just started drafting everybody as a wild card. So he went full nuclear <laughs> off-based, here. Like, off yeah. uh, But here's uh, Roy's team. Athlete, Michael Phelps. His elite mentality and aerobic breathing superiority would help him acclimatize faster. Plus, the dedication to training is unmatched. He would be in charge of the oxygen intake. The master of controlled breathing, he will optimize O2. I can't argue with that. It makes me, in hindsight, feel that I was perhaps a bit simplistic by saying, this isn't swimming, so we can't do it. Uh, perhaps I oversimplified the case there. And he does have a, a very convincing argument on the this. The lung one. capacity is a big that deal. That is a big one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's a good shout. Yeah. Now, business person, Mary Barra, mm. General Motors CEO in a male-dominated industry, she has the reins on one of the most influential companies in America and is pioneering the race to electric vehicles. She would be the navigator. Um, and she would be the best navigator with all the investments she has made in cruise, GM's autonomous drive. <laughs> I'm so impressed with the listener postulations because they've done such a better job than me of actually giving real reasons why, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> linking it to actual facts, whereas I was just like, duh, uh, she'll be good because she's really good. Uh, they really put me to shame here, but uh, that's a great, another good point. Yeah. I, I still, I would stand by my questioning of how is her physical fitness because let's be like, for all the- She's probably in a car a lot. Well, yeah, exactly. That can't be good. So uh, <laughs> not to not to trash the, no, no. Like, obviously, I love the justification and it's a, a brilliant one. Um, and, and, you know, let's see how the rest pans out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Roy, for musician slash author, hmm. he goes, I'm going to throw a hybrid. David Blaine. Yes. He goes, he goes, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if he has already climbed Everest. Yeah. But not fact checking. He may not even need oxygen, question mark. Yep. Uh, and he would, of course, put David Blaine in charge of the entertainment, saying, imagine your mind being blown 25,000 feet in the air. It would certainly distract you from the otherwise very uncomfortable environment. But 100% agree with this one. No better man. And if you want any evidence of his endurance, look no further than the episode of Hot Ones that he went on, okay. where he yeah. ate increasingly spicy wings with not one reaction. He just was like, yep, yeah, very good wings. David Blaine. He's eating Scovas in the thousands and he's just like, yeah, no problem. Is he still doing stuff? I, I haven't yeah. watched David Blaine on anything in yeah, I think a decade at he least. He went I around to publicize a live show he was doing in, I'm going to say New York actually, off mm. Broadway. So he was like, I think just selling tickets to live shows like that where it's all mentalism and a bit of endurance stuff. But like, yeah, he's, he's still knocking around. Yeah. Good he, for him. He kind of ditched, he dented his brand a little bit with the London box stunt that he did, which like right. he, he drastically underestimated how bad um, an anonymous audience will behave when they have a chance to throw things at a box in London. So, like, he uh, he had a generally quite bad time. I think Londoners hanging out in London. So um, that that he kind of disappeared for a while, but I think he's he's back in the game. Okay, 
Good for David. Yeah. So going up Everest with Roy. World leader. Now, Roy, master of current events, yeah. chooses Zelensky. Yes. And, I mean, he goes, doubted by many, but proved to be a leader. Mm. A younger man who, after a year of hell, still looks strong and ready for the challenge. Right. And he would be his captain, saying, a leader of men. And for those who may have forgotten, backup entertainment. Yeah, exactly. There you what go. What a shout. I like it when Roy's thinking, like, uh, not only in terms of who's best for each role, but who can also multi-purpose on their roles. That's pretty, that's pretty I strong. I think Roy from Chicago's gunning for our jobs here. I, I'm kind of seeing this as a CV application for, for LIP uh, <laughs> chief uh, broadcaster. This is Unbelievable. huge. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, Zelensky, great shout. And people, you know, forget that he used to be an actor and a comedian yeah. actor, actually. Yeah, yeah. His yeah. show uh, got a big bump on Netflix at the start of the invasion. But, Servant uh, of the people. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But I haven't watched it. But um, no, me neither. Seems to be uh, by all accounts a good show. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal, unreal. Now, actor slash actress Christian Bale. Yeah, almost a blend of method acting and master of weight manipulation. He will go to the extremes to prepare for the role of a lifetime. And he would be. Um, what does he have him as here? He has him as the food rasher. Mm. Who better to control the food than the man who famously only ate an apple a day to prepare for the role in 2004's The Machinist? Machinist. Yes, that picture does the rounds on Reddit oh, every now and gosh. then. Now, the only thing with, with Christian is we've also heard his angry outburst He's on set. And I, that would actually give me pause because like, I know he'll get through it, but he may leave the other celebs like shook. From like losing the rag at them, you know, like that, that that's not okay, you know. So uh, if Roy's okay with taking that risk, then so am I. Well, there you go, Christian Bale. Yeah, I think Isn't it's it? it can be really hit or miss with Christian. Bale. He yeah. could also just like say screw it, like yeah. while well, you're a bit up through the mountain, yeah. and not screw it like I'm going home, but screw it, I'm gonna up the ante yeah. and sprint up. You're on your own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll take it from here, says Christian. Yeah. Christian Bale. And then Roy has a reserve. Mm. Um, this is an interesting one. Actress Alicia Vikander. Um, you, she's might, Swedish. Might you might know her from uh, Danish Girl, Ex Machina. But here he explains. Okay. Yeah. While many doubted the Tomb Raider reboot, she proved battle ready with an absolutely shredded body and practicing survival skills in prep for the role. And who can forget her in Ex Machina? Apparently you. Well, I haven't seen it. So. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm, I'm scrolling her IMDb here and just being like, nope, 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 nope. nope. So she's she's one of those people I have like a, a blind spot on. But I'll take Roy's word for it. I think that's yeah. a, a safe call. Yeah. Well, Roy from Chicago. Thanks for, for your team with Michael Phelps, Mary Barra, David Blaine. Prime Minister. Is it President or Prime Minister? President. President yeah. Zelensky. Christian Bale and Alicia Vikander. I mean, it's a strong crew. Had I any of those to choose from, I might right. have considered them. Just Michael Phelps. Exactly. <laughs> Phelps, he was, uh, didn't make the cut of my team for not very good reasons, but still amazing, uh, amazing crew right there. Yeah. Thank you, Roy from Chicago. Um, and now we have another one queued up here. Uh, it's Frank from Rhode Island mm -hmm. who sent in a voice memo and uh, we'll have the, the producer play that for you here. Hello. Hello. Lost in postulation folks. Um, I wanted to share my thoughts on who I wanted to draft to, to Mount Everest on this uh, expedition. And you know, as soon as you mentioned that there was going to be a draft, I said, no matter what happens, whoever they mention as potential candidates, Keanu Reeves has to be on it. So if there was going to be a wild card scenario, I would have included him. But luckily, he was there in terms of uh, 
famous people uh, from the actors. And so uh, it was clear that he was going to be my first pick. And I decided to put him as my navigator as he is really, you know, one with nature. Um, I think he would be one of the people that if we ever lost the Sherpa, he would still find a way to lead us to the top of Everest. And additionally, because we're trying to save the world and garner world peace, Keanu Reeves has done this in his movies. You know, he's a lovable character, as seen with John Wick, or also in movies like Always Be My Maybe. But he also helped create a song that created world peace in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. So I think, I think he's also a good fit on that front. You know, on the business people, I thought actually, or it was very easy, and I, I chose Melinda Gates. You know, Melinda Gates is, uh, is one of the world's largest philanthropists, and I think she would be ideal for a food rationer on this trip because she knows uh, she's seen uh, how, how people are doing this across the world. Um, but most importantly, I think, you know, we're still seeing her as Melinda Gates uh, from the Bill and Melinda Gates. And I think she has a bit of a chip on her shoulder and, and she just wants to be presented to this world as just Melinda. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for her to, to do just that. You know, then I, I thought about, you know, athletes, who could that be? And, you know, what I found key, I thought is Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps is a, is a man who has swam so much, that has won so much. One of the key things is he knows how to breathe. And so I, I, I designated him as my oxygen boss because I think in the time that training, he's going to teach everyone on this team some training techniques to succeed so that when we do get to the top, um, yes, he's able to pass it around, but people also have a higher tolerance and lung volume. Uh, some last people, I thought, yeah, Jacinda, Jacinda from New Zealand as captain, great world leader, someone who people look up to. And this, uh, I know she wants to rest, but I think she wants to go out with a bang and this is the perfect opportunity for her. Now, I've got two last picks. Um, I've decided to, from the musician world, I've decided to put this person as an alternative because I don't think there's any chance this person could climb the mountain, but... Um, He's there for a good time, not a long time. He's going to be so incredibly happy to just stay at the base, you know, get to meet people. And that's Shaggy. Um, Shaggy's going to just stay there at the base. You know, he's going to be the type of person where other teams are training to go up the mountain. And he's going to share his experience, even though he has absolutely no idea how that works. And then lastly, I thought entertainer. I looked at all the categories and I wasn't satisfied. And uh, I said, we need someone who is always upbeat. And, you know, even when you're climbing the mountains, is going to be dropping banter left and right. Like, oh, don't you wish we had a car to get up this mountain? So I, I decided to, to pull a wild card. And uh, my wild card is, uh, it's coming out of me like lava. Star from Bridesmaids, Saturday Night Live, Melissa McCarthy. She's going to be the true anchor. And that, 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 those are my picks. So Michael Phelps is Oxygen Boss, Jacinda as Captain, Keanu is Navigator, Shaggy is the Alternative, Melinda is the Food Rationer, and Melissa McCarthy is the Wild Card. And uh, Neil, I thought about having Vin Diesel there at a certain point as an anchor, but I thought uh, both him and Keanu would be anchors, and uh, I think that could have led to some conflict there, actually, having Vin and, and Keanu. So I decided let's just keep Keanu, and Vin can keep producing uh, Fast and Furious movies 28 to, to 35. Thanks, gents, and uh, I hope you like my picks and they don't spark too much controversy. Well, Frank from Rhode Island, uh, thanks for uh, actually playing by the rules, unlike our friends from the, the upper Midwest uh, in Chicago. Much yeah. appreciated. I mean, it's not an established format. I, I can understand listeners taking a wrong turn here and there, so uh, it's fine. I'll let it slide. Yeah. We'll let it slide. We'll yeah. let it slide. Thoughts? 
Uh, overall, very strong. Again, like I have to give credit to to the listeners for doing again, as I said earlier, a better job than I did of actually like linking their choices to something real world and actually like relevant. You know, uh, great to see Keanu made the cut once again. Like uh, consensus, all American there, huh? as you said in the last episode. Like you, I think you said something like, "I struggle to see anything wrong with this guy, like negative whatsoever." Right. It seems like that's pretty much like the. The consensus, like out there, uh, everyone seems to love him. Keanu comes out a winner from uh, LIP. Yeah, hundred percent. Shaggy was a huge call. That was kind of an unprompted uh, mm-hmm. recall as well. Like yeah. uh, Shaggy is still knocking around. Don't know if he's making much music, but uh, I mean, I, I'd be happy to have him on board if he's up for it. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, like I mean, just having him hang out at the base camp, meeting people, entertaining, having fun. You know, that's Mr. Uh, Mr. That's Bombastic himself. Yeah, Mr. Bombastic. Uh, Jacinda, I'm not. I don't know. I'm just not totally sold on again. Like okay. I just, I just feel like. You know, she she's put herself forward, but does she really want to do it? You know, mm. she wants a break, I think, mm. still. Maybe I'm latching onto that too hard. But as I said on the last episode, I think her and her prime is, is totally welcome. I just don't want to force it upon her right now. Mm. And we had Phelps again here. Yeah, Phelps again was, in charge of the oxygen. And I think we had at least one or two other listeners say the same thing who were like, Neil is mad for not taking Michael right. Phelps. Maybe I was. As I said, maybe I was too simplistic. But great to have him in charge of the oxygen. I mean, that's a that's a winner, right? There. Right. Yeah. And then uh, it's it's an interesting theory on Melinda Gates. Yeah. Again, I I wish I knew more to to kind of. Con- I mean, I can't deny that she would be the right person to hand out the food, but like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I still am a bit suspicious if she's the right one. You're suspicious of Melinda or yeah, of yeah. Melinda on Everest? On Everest specifically. Okay. I just, I'm just like, I don't have, you know the way sometimes you just have a gut feeling where you're like, I don't know about this, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm feeling here. Okay. Hope okay. it goes well. Hope I'm wrong. But yeah. uh, but good teams all around. And I had forgotten actually about uh, Keanu having experience with World Peace and Bill and Ted. 100%. Yeah. Unreal. This man has experience on many fronts. I can tell you that much. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, there's uh, there's half a pot in, on Keanu at some point. He's add him to the wall. Remember, it seems like every week we're like another patron saint of Lost and Lost. <laughs> exactly. Here's another one. Add him to the, the wall of fame. Of fame. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Well, um, fantastic. Well, there we are. Yeah. I think we had one more that I, I really wanted to drop in just mm-hmm. as a, it's not a full squad. I just thought uh, I couldn't resist. And it is someone who has appeared on the podcast before, actually. It's our friend in Finland. I'm talking, of course, of Ilka. Sauna King. Sauna King. I mean, that's what we know him as, but he has also a bit of a postulation as to one of my choices. So you might remember okay. I, as you as you recapped, I picked Sana Marin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I don't think he objects to Sana joining in principle, but he really reacts to the role that I gave her. So okay. I'm just going to read what he what he said. He sent me this quite quickly after we released the last episode. He said, no, you can't leave Santa to take care of food rations. You'll run out of food halfway to the top, brackets, or if there's a place to borrow more in Everest, then that could work, close brackets. Uh, Social Democrats are great at spending. Our national debt has never been higher than in Santa's era. So uh, quite a quite a roast of Santa coming from a Finn, like who would know, you know, like, right. but I was, it was funny because I, as we've mentioned about Santa, I thought she was like pretty universally loved, you know, like she seems uh-huh. at least across the global internet, she's like mega popular. Right. Every time she comes up on, on Reddit or Twitter or whatever, everyone's like amazing, amazing, amazing. Because right. they're not into the policy of it, right? When you don't exactly. live there. Uh-huh. And the few Finns who I've spoken to here, say in Denmark, whenever I mentioned Santa, they're like, oh, amazing. She's so, she's so cool, right? Right. Uh, and then I was like, do Finns actually not like Santa? And then I actually went away and Googled. And actually, no, they don't. She's, well, there you go. Her popularity is waning like crazy. And oh, yeah. uh, she it's looking like she's going to struggle to be reelected, actually. Wow. There's an, an election coming up in like a month from now. And her approval has been tanking. Well, then she'll have time to come up Everest with you. She certainly will. 
But uh, shocking revelation. And yeah. uh, a big thank you to Ilka, not only for uh, challenging my assertion of, uh, of Sana's ability to ration food. Apparently, she would just give it all away. But uh, also opening my eyes to her uh, waning popularity. Wow. I was, I was shocked. Wow, wow. Bye-bye, Sana. Yeah, exactly. But I think there's an interesting underlying postulation to that where you cannot put any politician from any side of the spectrum in charge of the food rationing because mm. if you have someone leaning potentially too far left, they'll give a lot to everyone very early. Exactly. Too far right, they might keep all the rations for themselves. Yeah. So do not put a politician in charge of the food yeah, ration. The right wings, they'd be, they'd be like, well, if I gave you this food, you wouldn't be motivated to get any more, would they you? It would so, build a wall around the food. Exactly. Be, You'll get this when you start your own <laughs> climbing club. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so mass, lots to consider there. Recipe and for disaster. Absolutely. Politicians on Everest. Can't Politicians have. on Everest. Who needs them? I think huh? we could uh, rule them out altogether. But I think my, my main takeaway here is the listener postulations are so good. Like they... Yeah. They do genuinely a better job than I have, and and we let's say even that we have done at like justifying their choices. And yeah. I, I just think great stuff, and no. not just today, but also every listener postulation we've had so far. So all I'm going to say is bring it on, bring more and more. I think uh, it's great stuff. Please do, listeners. We wanna we wanna hear from you uh, on on every front. We really appreciate it. It's it's great to see the the podcast not just growing in in terms of listeners, but in terms of engaged listeners. Exactly. Like that's that's all we can ask for. That's what we're here for. I'm getting emotional just saying it. So he's crying right now. Yes, yeah. you can't see I mean, it. But he's, he's shedding a tear. <laughs> he's not. He's not. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, uh, listeners, thanks again. Uh, as always, uh, you can reach us on Twitter. That's at InPostulation. Uh, you can also email us with any postulation you, you'd like for us uh, to, to look at. at that's LostInPostulation at gmail.com. It's been a pleasure to talk to you all next time. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. 